just kind of getting a look at this teaching sheet in case what happens last week happens again. <laughs> oh my, God is so good to us and I certainly rejoice in those testimonies. Um, you know, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and I certainly declare the power of both of those. Of course, I recognize testimony as martyria, but both of these testimonies were from people who've committed themselves to the work of the Lord. And um, you, have to, you have to be a person of testimony to have remained here all these years. So uh, we're very grateful for that. Um, Today, we want to look at this passage from Isaiah chapter 11, and um, I, I began yesterday to embark on a second book for this seminar that is um, focused on the ongoing messages that God is giving to us regarding wisdom. It's really, um, it is a precept upon precept thing because of all the other materials that we have regarding wisdom that have set the stage for where we are going now. And there are so many things that um, God is saying about wisdom, and each of them are words in season for us. Um, I do want to direct your attention to the Sunday school class that was taught this morning. If you we're not able to be there. You need to listen to that. Mark taught and a number of other voices were expressing um, prophetic insight. And if you didn't hear Wednesday night's message, you need to hear that as well because these are timely words in wisdom. But today I felt that God wanted us to look at the wisdom that was uh, prophesied for the ministry and life of Jesus. And I, I was so blessed today by the worship time, and particularly when Elizabeth began to sing about Jesus being Lord. And as I looked up at her, I could see just beside, behind, beside her, Jesus Christ is Lord. And um, I, I know that this morning is a time that God wants us to magnify our Lord. And if there was ever a light... It was him, and it still is. If there was ever wisdom and grace, it's him. And this passage in Isaiah 11 is a prophetic uh, word about who, who the Son of God would be in regard to the spirit of wisdom. And this is a prophecy of the coming of the Lord but everything about it is wisdom. And there are many who have taught innocently that this is a depiction of the seven spirits of God. And while I appreciate their, their uh, sincerity, everything about this, this description here, is wisdom. And um, so we'll, we'll just leave it at that. 
But I want us to read uh, this first section of Scripture, Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll pick up at the end with verses 4 and 5. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of Yahweh. He shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of, the, of Yahweh, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. You know, last Sunday we shared about the three impartations of the spirit of wisdom and how that, that involves getting to know God, committing yourself to Him and loving Him. Of course, every one of those is based off of grace. We studied that too. But the first dimension of wisdom is, is communing with God and knowing Him and speaking with Him. The second dimension is being trained and discipled as sons so that you can also then be a person who makes disciples in wisdom. It's the sila, it's the sila segment of the spirit of wisdom. And the third is in the new covenant where it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And that then is um, partnering with God to unveil his mysteries and to bring forth his light into the various stratas of darkness. And that was really reserved for a time after the sacrifice of Jesus when grace and truth came to every person and we could then minister with the light that he brought that, and none of those things were in effect until the Lord Jesus came. So those three things are really a definitive measure of the development of the spirit of wisdom in a person. And while though, although God gives wisdom to individuals, he sometimes gives wisdom like you read about uh, uh, the time when the tabernacle was being constructed. And, of course, you had Moses, who was God's partner. He was God's friend, the one who met with God face to face. And then you had Joshua, upon whom the spirit of wisdom was abiding because Moses had laid hands on him. And then you had a guy named Bezalel, who, who the Bible says was a skilled craftsman, who God put the spirit of wisdom upon and lists all the dimensions of the spirit of wisdom so that he could lead the, the structure and the, the craftsmanship. And he was really phenomenally imparted to by the spirit of wisdom for a segment of what needed to be done. He was in no way taking the place of Moses. He was in no way taking the place of Joshua. But God surreptitiously put that upon him. And it was a wonderful thing. And in another funny, a funny verse to me was when it said all these people were doing all these things and God gave wisdom to a number of the women so that they could spin goat's hair. <laughs> and it's the same word for wisdom. But, you know, it's just the way that God would release wisdom to people in conjunction with his plan, but none of them were really the partnership. I mean, the overall partnership of the spirit of wisdom where God divests himself and makes himself open 
to somebody who would minister. And um, so we need to distinguish between those two things. God's wisdom is available to, to everyone. You know, even in the book of James, it said, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And don't let that man ask uh, uh, in, in a measure of unbelief or with a double-mindedness, uh, because you won't expect anything from God in that. God gives wisdom to people, and it's not just counsel. It is direction for going into the places that God has earmarked, because that's really what we want. You can get counsel all day long, and you may end up in a place that God doesn't want you in. You know, there are a lot of people who go around seeking counsel as to how they can do something that, in fairness, God doesn't want them to do anyway. So wisdom is not just counsel. There is a spirit of counsel. There is counsel. But wisdom is partnering with God based on grace to achieve something where light is coming into an undeveloped area. And we need to know that. So upon certain people in the Old Testament and upon all of us who are willing, we can partner with the spirit of grace. We can partner with the spirit of wisdom. And we can together with God achieve something that is phenomenal. As we've said many times, those two dimensions of the seven spirits are things that the enemy absolutely detests. He, in the scripture, it says that he tries to bypass those two. And so we, in, in our privileged walk with God as saints, are really being, we're being led into a pioneering work in the spirit realm of partnering with the spirit of grace and supplication and welcoming the spirit of wisdom in this time, in this time where darkness is upon the earth and gross darkness upon the people. God needs pioneers to walk through that promise and to pattern it and to say, we've had a breakthrough. Now, everybody else who wants, come. That's the way God moves. That is the way he moves. And we are privileged to walk in that. And I ask for covering over every one of us in the saints' family and those who God is calling to join, that we would walk in this measure where His grace is surrounding us and the angels of God are around us in an encampment of grace, that His light will break through. And of course, this passage today that we're looking at in Isaiah 11 is a prophecy about how our Lord Jesus was a man of wisdom. And um, you remember the passage in, uh, in Luke 2, uh, verse 40, where it says that the child grew, and, uh, and then it says that he was functioning in grace and, and wisdom, and um, he was growing in the stature between God and men. So Jesus, the one who brought grace, was also typifying wisdom. And right here in Isaiah 11, you have a description of how Jesus would do that. So let's look at it. Remember what I said earlier, the three impartations of wisdom. We need to know this because um, we, you're all called to partner in it. So let's look at this. The first part is that um, the spirit of Yahweh will nuach with him. 
And that's significant because you remember when we studied about the various dimensions of how the Spirit of God moved, and we talked about the Nuach, and we talked about how a person of first fruits would, would welcome that abiding Spirit of God upon them, just the presence of the Spirit of God. And, uh, but it was a person of first fruits that would achieve that. And of course, we have the, we have the, the man named Noah, whose name was Nuach. And Noah was known for two things, particularly. We, most people know him for the ark, but he was really known for two things. Number one, he walked with Elohim. And second was, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so he had a very close relationship with Elohim, much like what Enoch probably did. And um, God, God extended the opportunity to partner with grace to this man for something that is well known. It, it astounds me how people in modern philosophy try to debunk the ark story. And pay no attention to the fact that every civilization on earth has a history of a great flood <laughs> that, that covered the earth. And um, I, I know that it, is, that it was in the days of Noah, so shall the end time be. And we are called again to partner and walk with Elohim and to be a people of grace. Now, for Jesus, in this depiction of the spirit of wisdom, he was a partner with the spirit of Yahweh to fulfill the plan of God, and he was walking in the Nuach. He gave all that he was. He was devoted to the will of his father, and he was obviously a man of grace because grace and truth came through him to everyone who would receive it. And he was, um, he was communing with the Father continually. Um, it, it's interesting that you remember also with, with the story of Noah, when God was looking upon the earth and looking upon the people, he said, it repenteth me that I created man. Some people say, oh, that means God changed his mind. No, it does not. Because that's the word, nacham, that means I am communing and I'm counseling. And I remember what I want to do, but I'm looking now with consideration as to how to right the ship, no pun intended, and get things back to what God wants. And um, to, to get my will to be done. And that is also a deliberative, that's a deliberation of the spirit of grace where God comes and he communes with us and we make commitments to do whatever God wants. But everything about this being uh, devoted to the will of Yahweh, the spirit of Yahweh is there and this nuach resting upon Jesus really describes what grace is and it really describes that first capacity of communing with the Father, being in absolute devotion to Him, and not, not allowing yourself to, to miss out on that 
measure of discussion with God. We must have that. And as an intercessory people, that's our right and our privilege. And we, we need to recognize that that is what keeps us going. And you need to resist at all costs any temptation that would keep you from spending time in prayer, particularly communing with God, but in diversities of tongues every day. You need to be doing that. You, can't, you, cannot, you cannot abandon that. And the enemy will try every way he can. Human nature will try every way. The world will try every way to get you to say, oh, I'm too tired. I don't have time. I, this is it. But it's your lifeblood, and you have to commune with the Father. And so, to me, this is, this is there, and, and it's very obvious. But then it says, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, bina, tabuna. And that's in our threefold part, that's the second part. And it's, it speaks about wisdom and being developed and trained as a son. And it, it speaks about wisdom so that you can, you can be, uh, um, uh, I said trained, and that's the best word. You know, you say, well, how was Jesus trained? Well, he was trained. You know, we, you know remember the passage that says that um, our Lord uh, endured suffering so that he might fulfill what a son should be? Um, he did that without sin, but he was being trained by the Father. He was fully man and fully God. And so uh, not only was he committed to the Father, not only was he communing, but he was also being trained so that he could also um, develop and disciple others. He could not have disciples if he had not walked in discipleship. And so... That wasn't just some God-given anointing where he said, okay, I'm going to make some disciples now. You can't give what you don't have. If you don't overcome, you, you really can't move in, in those things. You know, it's funny because when you talk to people in life, you can have some, you know, I had some teachers, and I'm not going to go too far with this, who were teaching about things that they'd never done before. And... Um, and I didn't despise them for it, but even some of the questions that the, the students would ask in, in seminary, you knew that that person had no background whatsoever in what we were asking about. It's very difficult for them to say, uh, this is what you do and this is what you got to watch out for because they hadn't walked that path. They'd read it in a book. But then we'd had teachers that had been in the trenches, that had been for many years doing the very thing they were teaching about. And when a question was asked, that person had the goods. They knew. And what they said, you paid attention to. And I say that it's very difficult for us to lead people into a place we've never been or to tell them about overcoming if we've never overcome or to teach about something in the Scripture that old Prophet Jojo said, and I bless Prophet Jojo, whoever that is, but when you walk through it, and God has shown you, you can give an eyewitness account of it. And you can say, okay, this is what's here, and this is what the Scripture says, and 
we have to be careful of this, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. That makes all the world of difference, and that's part of the spirit of wisdom. It's not just the spirit of facts. It's not just the, the, the spirit of book learning. It's the spirit of wisdom, and that's what God uses in the spirit of truth to guide us into so that we can lead others. So this is what was described here. So the first thing is you have Jesus with his prophetic calling as the, uh, the rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch growing out of the roots. That speaks about him and us. But then it speaks about him being devoted to the plan of Yahweh and being as a Nuach individual. That's, that's grace and that's embracing the commune and that's there. That's why that's first. And then second is that part of the pattern where he would be someone who is walking the pathway learning, being trained of the Father, so that he could then also say to others, follow me. The third one is this measure of the spirit of counsel and might. Now, the spirit of counsel, Esa, is literally to be skilled as someone who has been educated and has overcome and can advise. And secondly, Gabura, which is the word that's used for the mighty men. And this is where Gabriel's name came from. So you see really that third dimension of our Lord where as he's communed with the Father, he's devoted to his will, he's bringing grace, he's trained as a son, he's fulfilling every measure of being a son so that others can walk with him, then this measure where he is going to do exploits. He is a veteran of sonship before the Father without fail. And he is, he is triumphed, and now he's teaching others how to triumph, and he's developing others in being mighty men as well as demonstrating what a mighty man should be in the fullest form. This is our Lord Jesus, and this is the spirit of wisdom in him. And so I'm grateful for that, and I know you are too, and we give him all of the praise, all of the thanks. And I, I echo with the prophetic song this morning, Jesus Christ is Lord, and we follow him. We follow him. He is our elder brother. He is the firstborn of many brethren. He is the prince of peace. He is the breaker. He is at the head of the army. He is the one who is leading us forward. He is the one who's interceding for us right now at the right hand of the Father, even though he's here as well, because that's all just blended in together here, thank God. But he's praying for you that you will fulfill everything that God created you to be, that the work of the saints would be done. Thank God for Jesus. Thank the Father for Jesus, and thank Jesus for coming as our deliverer. So here is our Lord and a description of the spirit of wisdom upon him. But it doesn't stop there. Then the cycle goes forward again. And it says um, the spirit of knowledge and the, and the fear of the Lord. This is, after all of these things, here we are back to that first segment 
where you are communing with God, you are receiving directive. Uh, this is the first dimension of commune. Here it is the crucial requirement for the implementation of the plan of God on earth. You developed in God in this way, and then the rest of the chapter is how this is going to be implemented. And it really is powerful. So you've got this, this commune with God so that the plan of Yahweh might be known and you can actually break through into the darkness. And then it says, in the fear of the Lord. I've, we've talked about this before, but it's really strange. Or, or quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. You know, where that quick understanding comes from, I still don't know. Because it's just ruach. It's just the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is leading him into those things that Yahweh is wanting to do. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But then look at verses 4 and 5. With righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now, here we have this business of righteousness, righteousness and judgment. You know, after the, the, the ruach of the fear of the Lord, he's not going to judge after the sight of his eyes or reprove after the hearing of his ears. This goes back to what we were saying on Wednesday night. He's not going to be moved by what he sees in the natural or the clamor that's being said around him or even in his own ears because he is going to judge by righteousness. What is righteousness? It's the vision that we believe in God. Remember Abram. Abram believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. What God said to him, what God showed him in the vision of the sky is what, is what righteousness is. It's partnering with God and following the vision. So any measure of judgment, any measure of counseling, any measure of, of um, apportioning to the poor has to be done through that partnership with God and the vision God has given you. That's your litmus. That's your measuring rod. That's what God has empowered you to represent. And so that's your bastion of, of strength and authority. So righteousness is, is used here as a judgment of the poor. It's also what is that belt of truth. The girdle of the loins is the same thing as the belt of truth. And um, that's, that's what we have to have. It's the strength. It's the core of who you are. So how do you judge the poor? How, what do you do? Does that mean you go out under one of the overpasses and find some poor people and judge them? Is that what that means? Well, in this context, he's talking about the poor in the spiritual sense. Those that are poor in spirit. Those that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness after righteousness. And we're meeting a lot of those people because God's leading to us. He's made them hungry. They've said, nothing I have matters. 
except for what God is wanting to do. Let us take hold of the hem of your garment. We'll follow you. We'll be called by the name of the saints. We'll do that. And so we, we judge in righteousness by what vision God has given us. It's not what vision God's given to somebody else. I can't represent that. I, I can't represent somebody else's righteousness. I can only represent what God has given me. And that's the core of how we minister. That's the core of how we appropriate what people who are poor in spirit need. That is what we need to recognize. And you reprove with equity the meek of the earth. What a weird phrase that is. What does that mean? Well, there's, they're poor and they're in the meek. They're, they're really the same, but they're very different. Um, we just described what the poor are. What are the meek? And everybody should know meekness is not weakness. Meekness are those that we come into contact with who have laid their strengths and their capacities before God. And they have tempered themselves in obedience to God so that they can follow Him and that they can inherit the earth then. So when we come upon people who've been willing to do that, we reprove with equity. In other words, we impart and we declare the fairness and the promotion that they have, that they have accrued in their faithfulness to God. And we, we levy that. There's a reproving. And that reproving is not necessarily for the people. It's a reproving of their circumstance. It's a reproving of the things that need to be brought into alignment with where they are. Because if you're really meek, there are going to be times where it looks like you've been put upon, and probably you have been. And so we're sent in righteousness, in wisdom, to address those that are coming alongside and to speak to those who have been meek and are meek, and to bring into alignment in God's timing what He has called them to be. And that's a really powerful thing. Um, and that's what Jesus did. That's what He does for us. And that's what we must do. Because we must do all these things. We're to be Christ-like. We're joint heirs with Christ. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask, to be like Him. And we sing those things. But this is really doing those things. And so we want to be like him. We want to come into likeness with him. And this is what he did. Now what's this? He smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And that's, um, that's what we're called to do in, um, in speaking and declaring the word of the Lord throughout the nations. The rod of our mouth. You know, Jesus has a sword uh, out, of his, out of his mouth in the book of Revelation. And um, the words that God gives us as intercessors and as pneumaticos teachers and as those that are sent by the directive of God into people groups, those words smite the earth just as that lightning strikes the earth. And that's the entrance of thy word bringeth light. And this is what he did, and this is what we must do. Um, with the breath of his lips 
Shall he slay the wicked? This is interesting because the breath of the lips is a different thing than the rod of his mouth because breath is life. Breath is commune. Breath is breathing and instituting what God wants. You know, we can smite the earth with the directive word that God gives, but the only way that the wicked that are going to be in the land are going to be um, slain, pushed forward, is when we impart to the people that commune with God, that praying, that the breath of the Spirit within them pray. And this is, this is what God wants. So we just don't go and go into a city square and kick strongholds and take names and then bustle off. Some people do that, and I bless them. I'm sure they're being led to the Lord. But our job is to go in and raise disciples. And with the indigenous peoples that God leads us to who are hungry and who are meek to walk with them in the things that God has asked us to declare and to do and then to breathe with them, to let them breathe before the Lord. And the only way the wicked are going to be put forward and, and scattered and slayed, as the Scripture says, is by the indigenous people opening up a commune with God in the place where they're at. Because we're there, but then we're not going to be there. We're somewhere else. But bless God, those people, those saints, are calling upon the Lord. And their breath before God, welcoming the Nuach of God, is what is going to do the work in that land. So, and, and then you read, you read the rest of this and in, in chapter 11, and it really talks about a lot of phenomenal things that Jesus was to do, he did, and in some ways those dimensions of victory and overcoming are also ours to do. But I stopped here because this is really the formative understanding of the spirit of wisdom. The rest are results of it. I don't really want to focus on results. You know, sometimes in, in school, whether, whatever kind of school, you know, high school or, you know, college. I remember so many kids that I went to, to Bible college with, first couple of years, they'd say, you know, I'm happy to be here. I know God led me here, but I really want to get out and do something, you know. I think I've learned enough. You know, Jesus is coming soon. We need to get out there. Well, that was, that was over 40 years ago. So I don't know what they did to help Jesus come soon, but he sent them there. They should have stayed there and finished what they were supposed to do. The point is that before we can do the rest of this chapter, we've got to understand the formative, uh, the formative partnership with God that Jesus himself depicted and that we also are being given today. So we can talk about the spirit of wisdom. We're definitely there. Uh, God is leading us in lots of different ways. I'm so grateful. Um, but uh, it was imperative for us uh, that we see that our Lord Jesus did every one of these things that we're saying are the impartations of the spirit of wisdom because he is, he is that. We did the same thing with grace. And we looked at grace through his his, uh, his uh, conception and his, the proclamation of the angels and uh, the grace and truth that came through him and 
the grace of God being upon him from the time he was a little boy. So when we talk about grace and wisdom, we're in very good company because our Lord Jesus patterned all of this for us and without missing any mark. I'm grateful for that. And there's something about us today that God wanted us to say this because it is not only an exclamation point, it is a notary stamp on this thing God's led us into. And for some reason, I felt that the enemy was trying to contest this in the spirit realm. Of course he would, because the rulers of the darkness don't want us moving in this. And I would dare say, and I'm, maybe I'm a little partial for all of us, but I dare say we're, we're forging new territory with our Father. And so the enemy doesn't want that. It's like a theatron. And when I was, um, when I was writing yesterday, I came to this passage and began to break it down, and I thought, the Spirit just said, this needs to be declared tomorrow, and I believe it's as a, it's, <laughs> it's like a, it's like uh, in a legal standpoint, there's, there's no way that the enemy can contest this. This, he can contest you, he can contest me, he can contest the things that the Spirit is revealing and that we're saying. He cannot contest this because Jesus did this and he knows it. It's like, the, uh, it's like the citing of a former case that the judge has no, no, no other option but to say this is a settled issue. And I just think it's very interesting that the Lord uh, just inspired this and really impressed it at this time after all the other things that we've been sharing. And, and I do know that it was because there was a contesting and, and I, I'm very grateful for this. I'm so very grateful for this. You know, the other, the other thing about this is that um, I don't, I, and I just, this is just a personal testimony. The way God's leading us in this year of wisdom is, is unlike any other year. I know that coming up to the seminars, every time God would be giving words and he would build, he would build the, the framework of understanding for what we're to present to the people, the meat being brought to the table so that we can we can share it. And it's been a little bit difficult for us since, you know, our network is available real time to hear this because um, it's not difficult. It's God's way. But you know, when they come to the seminar, you 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 can't just preach the same stuff, even though it's real and powerful and timely. You've you've got to bring it in a way that is more expanded. All that being said is I don't remember there being a time, at least in my life, where God said, I'm going to give you chapter by chapter a book that you need to have ready for this seminar. And I'm going to give you this chapter and the line upon next is coming sometime soon. So you just do that. I have never done that before, ever. I have never done that. And uh, I'm just giving testimony as your leader here. There's something very distinct and something very pragmatic. No, not pragmatic. That's not a good word. Something very ordered that God is leading us into this year of wisdom. It's, 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 it's an amazing time in the spirit realm. And we need to do everything we can to partner with God in it. You say, well, how can I partner in it? Well, I'd say two things. 
Number one, if it's all at all possible, keep current with what's being taught here, even on the off services. And one of the beautiful things about the Spotify is that you can speed up not only my voice or the, whoever else is teaching. So you can listen to an hour-long sermon, which I've been only been going like 35 minutes now. You can knock that out in 15 minutes. And it doesn't, it's not like one of those disclaimers. Not, not following the state of Connecticut. If you drop dead after buying this thing, we're not liable. You know, it says all that stuff, you know. Billy is a devil. Billy is a devil. You know, it, 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 all those crazy things that come on that nobody listens to but gets them out of legal trouble. Um, so it should, there should not be a problem with you keeping up with things. You say, oh, I don't have time. Do you have 15 minutes? You could knock that out in the commercials of the programs you watch, unless you TiVo them and you just skip through those. But even that gives you a minute or two. I'm trying to make this really easy. The other thing is you need to remember the progression. You need to be spending time with God. You need to be allowing Him to develop you. And you need to be open to the things of His Spirit that He is leading us into. Those are the three dimensions of the spirit of wisdom. And so don't miss out on that. We, you, need, you need this. God lets you, you're vital in this. So don't miss what God's giving. And I speak the spirit of wisdom, which is in the light of our Lord, to be upon and within and through every one of you. I speak that you should arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And I speak that, that in the midst of the darkness and the gross darkness, that my light, God's light, will shine upon you. I speak over you that God would be near you in the night and in the day, and that his commune will be constant if you'll let it be. And I speak that the very end of the 23rd Psalm, that God is anointing your head with oil and that your cup is running over and that certainly, I would say surely, but don't call me surely, surely goodness, tobe of the Lord and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord Yahweh forever. And that following is the fact that you're living it and you're leaving disciples in the wake of the Spirit that's led you there. So know this. May His light shine in you, through you, upon you, and may you be uh, that champion of wisdom that our Lord Jesus wants you to be in this season. Amen? All right, Father, I've just declared all these things, and I, I pray now and stand in agreement with them. And I pray that you will bless every one of these dear, dear folks that are here this morning and those that are part of our family who join with us, either live or through archive. I release the blessing of your heart to them. And, Lord, on this unique day here in the United States, tomorrow included, uh, we ask that you would Send your spirit, your spirit, into the hearts, the lives of all of the brothers and sisters in the African-American community.
And we pray, Father, that you would, as you've prophesied, you are rising, raising up a mighty army who know you and who will walk with you in power in these days in the midst of the African-American community and churches. And we are privileged to stand with our brothers and sisters that you call to walk with us in it. But, Father, we release this blessing now, and we will be mindful to pray over this holiday weekend in, in alignment with that. Now, Lord, that's it. That's all you gave me for today. And so I bless you, and I thank you for this, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.